Welcome to the third episode of Cast IQ, the intelligent podcast for entrepreneurs. Before we start with content, what I want to do really is just explain what we do and how we do it. Essentially, we are an entrepreneurial and personal development podcast aimed at entrepreneurs, business owners, and founders. Now, unlike many other podcasts, we don't advertise within it. Um, one, it's annoying. Two, it kind of clouds the, I suppose, the, the whole message of what we're about. And what we don't want to be doing really is focusing on selling advertising space when ultimately we should be focusing on content. That's what really matters to us. Also, too, we will never have a paywall. In other words, we won't charge you for accessing the particular content that we put out. And that's not to say that there's a there's not a charge. There is, but it's non-financial. What we do ask is that if you find some benefit within uh, one of the episodes or all of them, which I'm sure you will, um, all that we do ask is that you you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, that subscribe or follow if you're on Spotify, and that's it. That's all we ask. What we're looking to do is build a movement of people that really are interested in personal development. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. This week's founder story is Kath Jones, CEO of Think Wines in Liverpool. She started from nothing, almost on a point of principle. She's dealt with betrayal and deals going sour, which I suppose everyone has. She rides the punches and just doesn't give in. This is Kath Jones, and this is her story. Welcome, Kath. Um, it's fabulous to, to have you back on, on the podcast. I know um, I won't make any secret of, of it because the whole point of this podcast really is that it, it's about being raw. And um, this has been the second occasion where we've tried to get this recorded, but we had technical difficulties with the last one. But mm-hmm. you've been so patient, and thank you so much again for, for coming on and, no um, and, and for telling your story, really. Um, so, where is it you come from? You know, tell me a little bit more about your background, your childhood, and, and, and where you where you were brought up, etc. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I was born and raised in Liverpool. Um, went to school here up until I was eighteen, and then I um, moved away to Leeds for university, and did a couple of years in Leeds, and then I did a year out in. Um, the field. I studied international business management. So with that course, you got to do like a year in the industry type of thing. Um, went to do a year in the industry that was in the USA. It was Louisville, Kentucky. Really random place <laughs> wow. where KFC and Colonel Sanders come from. <laughs> um, so I went and did a year there. I was working for the Marriott Hotels. So I worked um, as an intern there. So I kind of covered all areas. So I did every, anything from like sales, wedding sales, events, because they have the Kentucky Derby there, which is a huge deal. So we work on events for that all year. Then I was in the restaurants, the bars. I was on reception. I did the night shift. I did kind of everything that you could do. I did, um, and yeah. So, you're a grafter, really, are you? Oh yeah, no. <laughs> That's kind of putting some hard work in, which is brilliant. <laughs> and do you know, you find this with a, with entrepreneurs, though. You always find that they they're prepared to do whatever it takes, aren't they, just to kind of yeah. get the job done. Because you, know, you can always you, know, you can learn from you know you can learn from every single bit of it, and. Um, 
and I always knew that. So I, uh, after that, I returned to, oh no, there's going to be, oh, sorry, I have to interrupt this, do you mind? My mum's at the front door. <sighs> Apologies there for the, uh, for the pause. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Don't worry. These things happen, and and it's they happen when you're working from home. Um, yeah. But for like twenty minutes ago, um, my stepdaughter was singing her head off right outside the uh, the office. So <laughs> had, had this meeting or had this interview been done about twenty minutes ago, you'd have been treated to a red dishing. <laughs> oh no, I'm gutted now. I know, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> She'll be famous one day, bless her. So oh. you were saying you 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 came back. I came back, um, finished off my degree. I then got a, an internship in China. Um, so I moved to China for that, and that was a marketing internship. So I was working for an American company that were marketing their health and fitness products within China. Um, and it was it was very low pay, but it was really interesting just to to work over there and see the culture and see how a, how a, an American business ran within China. It was it was different. Um, anyway, so I did that. Um, I ended up staying there. I was only supposed to go for three months for the summer, just after I graduated. I ended up absolutely loving it, so I stayed um, for over a year and. Um, I got a job on the side. So I still did my um, marketing internship, but I got a job teaching English also. And that was just to kind of boost my money because get paid really well teaching English in China. So I was doing that, even though I have absolutely not one inch of qualification in teaching. <laughs> so it was, very, it was very strange. And also I'm not really like a teacher type. So it was a bit strange, but I, I loved it and I learned like loads. And if anything, they really helped with the language because the kids obviously can't speak English. They're talking to you constantly in Chinese. In the end, you just learn to understand them. And even though I couldn't speak it, I could nine times out of ten know exactly what they were saying. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's mad. And I know it's like it's very much personality and how like almost like their demeanor that gives it away. But it's like you you, you do understand you, you just learn to understand what words they're saying to you. Mad, isn't um, it just? So you yeah. came back and you you came back for, into a career in sales, didn't you? Yeah. As I understand. Yeah, I did. I came back into sales. So um, we discovered like throughout my many internships that my well, obviously I had like jobs in between, but we discovered that my my skill was heavily sales based like I was, I was very good at selling in every job that I've ever done um I was always the top seller so it was I kind of just realized okay maybe I should just go for a job in sales because clearly this is where I excel um and I ended up getting a really good job in sales in the UK um it was in Manchester so I'm from Liverpool so honest on a normal day that's like a 45 minute commute which is nothing but on you if you're talking seven o'clock in the morning eight o'clock it's a two-hour commute or if you're trying to come back at 5 p.m it's a two-hour commute so I was spending like four hours a day basically commuting to and from work 
um, in Manchester. And I didn't really have a desire to move there. Um, to be honest, I'd move abroad, but I don't think I'd move anywhere else in the UK. I've never really wanted to go to like London or Manchester. I, I feel like if I'm in the UK, I'm quite happy with Liverpool, but I would like to move from from within the UK. Um, anyway, I was commuting there and it was quite a a good, a well-paid job, shall we say. And I was quite, I was quite happy there. Like it was quite boring topic. I was selling, um, do you know, like CIPD courses for like HR. Oh yes. So I was, I was selling those. Um, they're not inexpensive either, are they? Oh no, they were, I think they were about 10 to 12,000 pounds. And it's for you very, like, I, I remember a lot of the clients that I got involved were from like McDonald's and stuff, you know, big corporations sure. um, where that like, apparently to be in HR in those places, you have to have a CIPD. Otherwise they just won't give you a job. So I think with some of them, they were promoting them within and they were saying, okay, you're, you're being promoted to this. You're going to have to go on this course. We're going to have to pay for you to go on it. But obviously, what's 10 grand to McDonald's? That's fine. <laughs> but there's so, there's so many of those courses out there that it's just about choosing your provider. So it's there's probably 100 other girls like in Manchester on the phone all selling CIPD courses. And you've just got to make sure you're the one they're choosing to go with. They're all really the same price as well. They're all in that same region. So it's not like you can go, oh, I'll go with them. They're seven grand or... How did you differentiate then? Um, For me, I think it's just about... um, I'm quite good at reading people. I always have been. And I think it's just about like tailoring your conversation to an individual. So I'm quite fast at picking up on the type of person someone is and then being able to give them what they want. And I think that also customer service is key as well. So if, you know, if, if someone says, yeah, I'm interested, can you email me this, that and the other? I'll have that emailed within two minutes while someone else might take an hour. So by that time, they've already, they're not bothered anymore. They've forgot. They've had my email from me in two minutes and they're like, okay, she's on it. Um, so I think it's a mixture of being able to speak to people how they want to be spoken to and also providing a great service where, where it's quick and reliable, where they feel like they trust you. Yeah, service and value, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So that was... um. That was a situation in that job. Um, and I obviously knew that it wasn't me forever, but it was very well paid for a girl of my age. Um, and, you know, none of my other mates or anything were, were on anywhere near as much money as me. So I was kind of like, okay, well, this is fine. You know, for now I can work my way up, blah, blah, blah. But I kind of knew deep down because I've always, I've always like been driven by happiness. So it's like, if I wasn't at the peak of my happiness, then it's not the right place for me. Um, so I knew like, oh, it's fine. I'm not unhappy, but I can be happier. So therefore I will move on. And so I always kind of knew that. Anyway, what happened from there was um, I obviously would say to my mom and my sisters, like, oh God, four hours out my day, blah, blah, blah. And so my sister sent me the link to um, a job application that a girl 
who had a large number of social media followings had posted on her, I think it was Twitter or something, just saying, like, we're looking for the best salesperson in Liverpool. Please apply here. So my sister had sent me that link and was like, you should look at this and apply. So I had a look and I, I didn't really know what it was, but it was, it was to work for a celebrity agency in Liverpool. And I was like, okay, this is like weird because I don't really like celebrities. Um, and I don't really, I don't really know anything about them, to be honest. Like I've, I've never, like my friends were, were always fans of like OK Magazine and keeping up to date and watching reality TV. I'd never done any of that. So I was a bit like, oh, is this really for me? But I also know like sales is sales. Like it doesn't really matter what the industry is. If you, if you can sell, it doesn't matter. So I went to the interview anyway, thinking nothing of it. Cause I thought, you know, I like my job. It's good. I'll go to an interview and see what it's about. I ended up getting that job. Um, and it was a, a 20,000 pound pay cut that I would have to take to wow. take. Yeah, I know. And that's how I felt. I was like, okay, that's very heavy. <laughs> Even though I had no expenses at the time, you know, I was living at home, apart from like my car and all that. But like, I didn't pay to live at home. I didn't really pay for anything apart from fuel. My mum like was still buying me food and everything. So I was like living the life of Riley, but still it was, I was like 20,000 pounds. Like that is a lot of money. But I thought about it and I considered it because um, what, the guy who I'd applied with had told me was, you know, you're going to get a company car, you're going to get a company laptop, you're going to get a company credit card, you'll be able to take people out, wine and dine them. Yes, your 20,000 20, is basic, but I'll give you uncapped commission. And that's like music to my ears because I, I I love commission. Um, and I thought, okay, if this is uncapped, like, I'll just smash it and I'll make as much money as I will, as I would have in my other job for what I was on anyway. So I was like, okay, um, this also I'm saving time and fuel in actual hours driving to and from work. This new job was five minutes down the road. And I just thought this is so different as well, because the environment I was working in was very corporate. It was very, you know, there was a huge team. It was a, a big office in Manchester. You know, everyone was suited and booted. This was going to be me and just two other people in a tiny little office in the city centre and um, very casual, you know, wear what you want, do what you want, um, spend your weeknights out drinking, whining and dining people. So it was a completely different um, situation. But in the end, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go for it anyway, regardless of the paper and just see what happens. Um, so I did that and it was the best thing that I ever did. Um it was a whole other industry. So we managed people with large followings on social media, whether that be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever the account, it was people with large followings and it was mainly reality TV based. So people off like Geordie Shaw, The Only Way is Essex, um, Made in Chelsea, that type of thing. So, and, let me, I mean, to be fair, you've gone from selling HR courses, which is, is dry by anyone's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to live in a glitzy lifestyle with celebs, yeah. <laughs> parties. <laughs> Almost jealous. <laughs> Basically, that's what happened, yeah. And, um, I, you know, it was, it's, it's all fun and games, like, at the time. Like, I was very much, I loved it. I was in the thick of it. 
I was like, oh yeah, like this is what I do. And it's funny now because I still do the same thing now, but now it doesn't impress me. I don't want to go to any event. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to tell anyone what I do. Like it's it's, it's so different now to how when I first started and how I felt about it. It's really not glamorous. It's really not. It's not glitzy. It's not glamorous, but it feels like that at the time and you can get yourself to believe that. But yes, I can. I can understand that. Fast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, so what happened there? So I was, I, I went and obviously moved in. There was only two other people working there at the time. Tiny little office in Liverpool, um, and we ended up growing the business to. And we we moved into a warehouse outside the city centre, and we had like twenty staff or something when I left. So we really, really just built up the company, but it wasn't just through the celebrity side. And we started understanding that a lot of the brands that we were working with were making a hell of a lot of money doing the marketing that we were doing, which was influencer marketing. So to give you an example of that, like McDonald's will, I'm just saying McDonald's because we've mentioned them already. They would phone up and go, hello, we would like one of your influencers with 2 million followers to post eating our new burger and saying how amazing it is. So then the influencer will create a post, like eat the burger or whatever, get a video or a picture, write a caption, oh my God, this new burger from McDonald's is absolutely amazing. And then all of a sudden, they'll see a big increase in the sales of that burger in the UK. And that's how it works, just in in basic form. And... how it works for an e-commerce store is generally it, like if it's a let's just say a lipstick they'll post saying oh my god this lipstick's amazing picture of them tag the brand people will click through to the brand's page follow them on their social medias and then click through to their website so the idea is to just send as much traffic as possible to the brand's website so you've got to make sure that the brand's website is ready to take it because the amount of times we've crashed sites and stuff like that is like a hell of a lot because you you try and tell the brand like is your is your is your website ready for this you know this amount of traffic can it take it can it handle it and every time without doubt they're gonna say yeah of course it can you know it's never crashed before blah blah they don't know what it's like when there's fifty thousand people trying to get on your site at once and it just can't hack it um so yeah we've crashed a lot of websites but we i we could see how well this form of marketing was working and the type of return on investment that these brands were getting, that we were like, we need a piece of this pie. So we ended up setting up a few e-commerce brands of our own that we had in-house. Um, and the guy that I was working for at the time, he kind of went to that side of the business and focused more on the e-commerce side and getting the brands up and running and um, yeah, just utilising it went hand in hand really well because he was able to utilize our influencers to promote his brands that, you know, got in the sales. So it went really, it worked really well. And, um, I basically took over the celebrity side kind of in full really. Yeah. Um, I wondered uh, whether I could ask you a question actually in terms of influencer marketing, because obviously yeah. it seems to be, you know, you, you certainly seem to get the, the kind of, um, influence of it on say instagram etc the yeah. kind of driving traffic to you know to various sites etc um how how do you protect yourself from the likes of say influence of fraud you know let's say for instance where 
you know, a potential influencer that, that that's maybe not so well known as, as the people that you, you currently work with. Yeah. Um, but let's say they've got a half a million followers. How do you protect yourself against, you know, say an influencer that, that say maybe bought the following that doesn't have such an, an engaged following, etc.? What, what do you do in that sense? It's usually very, very obvious. Um, most most well known most agencies wouldn't have someone like that on their books. So you'd of be course dealing, you'd be dealing with them directly, probably. Um, so you've just got to be smart. So like the way I would look at it is I would analyze their page. I'd ask them for their analytics, which you can get easily enough from Instagram now. You you can screenshot a page that'll tell you exactly what the percentage of their audience is, male or female, where they're from, what their age is. You can see all of that. You can see like the engagement within their stories. So I, if someone's got a million followers on their Instagram, but then their stories are only being watched by 5,000 people, then there's an issue. And you'll yeah. be able to do that. all you need to do is say to them, send me, send me your story views, send me your analytics, send me this. You need to make sure that they're showing you exactly what their audience is, but even easier than that, you can just look at a post that an influencer's posted. So if they've got a million followers and then they've posted a, a, um, a picture and they've got 50,000 likes but 10 comments, there's an issue there because yes. they've clearly bought the likes. It's a lot harder to buy comments. You can't just have people like sat there giving a load of fake comments all day. So yeah. you can usually see that there's a clear discrepancy between the likes compared to the comments and then you just straight away avoid that person but if you were doing this your own and you were going direct to an influencer i would never do that anyway because i'd never recommend it because then you've got no contract you've got nothing in place to back yourself but people still do it um, and and they, they they might not see a return investment but it's a risk that they've decided to take so it, it is a risk i'd just say be smart and ask people to show you their analytics do you still think then that there's a, a future in influencer marketing? Do you, do you not think there's been, let's say, built, been a, a build-up of cynicism towards influencers, etc.? No, I mean, yeah, of course. Like, but you know, like we were talking about last time, people are haters, aren't they? And <laughs> that's that's just the way of the world. Like, no matter what you do, you'll never get it right. Everyone's a hater, or there's something to moan about. Um, but the fact is, how else are you gonna get? a young audience to see your product because there's no other way except social media because they're not watching live TV. They're not looking at billboards because they're too busy engaged in the phone. They're not listening to the radio because they've got Spotify. So how else are you going to target a young audience without use of social media? So to me, no, even though it's not, you don't see those type of returns that I first seen when I first initially worked in this because of course, like it's a saturated market now and it is. But when you get it right and you've got a great product and you use an influencer with an engaged audience, you'll you'll get a return on investment like with no other marketing. So for me, there's very much a long future ahead. And it might change in terms of platform. So like maybe people will get sick of them on Instagram, but then they'll all be on TikTok. And then maybe if they get sick of TikTok, you know, there's always going to be a place where people will influence people. And that's just the world that we live in. So I don't see it going anywhere. Brilliant. Okay, that, that's, that's answered the question really well. Um, it, was a, it was a question that um, we were talking about, you know, some time ago. 
And because yeah. I must confess, I mean, you know, my involvement in social media is quite extensive, but in, in terms of influencer marketing, it's yeah. not so, you know, it, it's it's more on the analytics front. But yeah. nonetheless, it, it's interesting really just to see, you know, from somebody that does know that's been on the inside and that is on the inside, should I say, you yeah. know, you know, where the industry's going and what, you know, what the future holds and I suppose what you can do to protect yourself as well. Yeah. So carry on then. Sorry, I've taken you right off stream of a night. That's okay. Um, I can't remember where I'm up to. <laughs> I think uh, you were at the point where you, you, you kind of, you started this new role, you, you'd gone into building your own e-commerce brands yeah. and you were building the business from that, you were handling the celeb side, celebrity yeah. side. So, um, I obviously, I wanted a piece of a pie for myself and, and I started coming up with ideas of different businesses that I would like to potentially be involved in myself. And, and I came up with the idea and this was based on the fact that I was going to so many events at the time. I was literally at the opening of an envelope, like anywhere I would be. And, um, I was gaining a lot of weight and I was, I was analyzing my food intake and I was going hmm I'm sure I've only had about a thousand calories how have how am I gaining weight then I realized I wasn't in any way shape or form tracking my alcohol intake which was extremely high because it was a lot of free Prosecco free champagne drinks on arrival free cocktails all that type of stuff so it got me it, it got me thinking and just like a tiny little thought in my head thinking oh well what if we could create an alcohol that was better for you, like a wine that was reduced calories, reduced sugar, but still tasted nice. Everyone could still drink it. And then I started running the idea past my friends, past some of the influencers, and everyone was just like, oh, my God, yeah. Like, if you could do that, that would be absolutely amazing. And I was like, it's got to be a way, surely. Um, and then that's all it was. It was a tiny little seed, and it grew and it grew until I ended up writing up, like, a business plan. Um, and taking it to the guy that I worked for at the time, who at this point was, you know, one of my best friends. Like we'd worked together, grew the company over the course of four or five years. We'd been everywhere together. We traveled the world. We'd been to China, America, like we've been to so many places together. So, you know, I, I very much trusted him, very much my best friend. And I took the idea to him and pitched it to him and he absolutely loved it. And he was like, I love that idea. Yeah, it would be amazing. Let's do it. And I pitched it in the way that obviously he'd be the majority shareholder. He'd put the majority of the money in. I'd put a bit of money in, but not really. Um, And, you know, I'd do all the work. I would be the one who's back and forth to Italy. I'd sort it out. I'd get the brand in, blah, blah, blah. So we... Um, set upon that obviously I was doing all this in my spare time because I still had a company to run in the celebrity side um, so that was very much a full time job and in the evenings and at the weekend I would work on the Prosecco and then um, basically it took like a year of development and getting everything right getting the website ready getting the correct licenses and stuff like that and then as we were due to launch in um, the December, just right before Christmas, it was 2017, I think. Um, the guy who I worked for, he was he had a partner at the time and he called me in his office and he just said, oh, I'm going to be giving shares of the company away to my partner, <laughs> to which I was not happy about for multiple reasons, but 
Um, you know, the fact that I, I did not want to go into business with someone I didn't know well and trust. And um, I was the one who, it was my company. I come up with the idea. I did everything for it. How are you just going to tell me that someone else is now going to be a partner in it? going to have shares in it without even putting any money down and I was just very very unhappy with the situation and I said to him like you must surely be joking and there isn't you know there's no way that I would agree to this and to which you know he didn't take that very well he said you know it's my money that's gone into this I don't care what you say I've already told them that they're going to be getting these shares. So like, it's up to you, do what you want, but this is what's happening. So I, I, at that point I said, you know, I was like heartbroken obviously. And I didn't have any kind of contract in place, any, anything. So that was a, a lesson learned, you know, just because you trust someone when it comes to business, you really need to always have everything in contracts and writing just to protect yourself. But that was, yeah, a lesson learned from me at the time, obviously, because I, it was very much a gentleman's handshake and I was just, I just trusted him. So, um, from that, I kind of, I gave him like a, a week and I just said like, you're out your mind. <laughs> I'm going to give you a week to come back around. Um, surely you won't do this to me. Not after, you know, everything we've done together. We've worked together for years. I trust you. You're my best friend. Like, surely this is not happening. Um, and it was around Christmas. And what had actually happened is some of the members of my team had gone on the Christmas night out. I was supposed to go. I think that he expected that I would go and maybe he would talk to me there. I don't know. But obviously I didn't go because I, I couldn't face it. Like I was heartbroken and and my company was being snatched from me that I'd worked on for a year. And I just, I couldn't face it to go. So anyway, my staff went and one of them said to him, um, oh, what are we going to do if, like, if Path leaves? Like, I'm not really sure. Like, I'm not really up to date on everything, blah, blah, blah. There's only quite new. And um, he said, well, oh, she's not going to leave. Don't be stupid. Where else in the Northwest is she going to find a job that's this well paid? She's this well looked after. She's got a lovely Range Rover Evoke. She's got a laptop. She's got a phone. She's got everything she needs. Like, as if she's going to leave. Where's she going to go? Ha ha. She's just having a tantrum. Um, just ignore her. She'll be staying. And that was like his attitude to the situation and I just couldn't believe it because obviously I then got told and I was just like does he just think that he can just treat me in that way and I'm just gonna stick around so I ended up just driving my car in handing me notice handing me car handing me laptop handing me phone everything and just leaving so I left the Prosecco business and obviously I left the celebrity side as well and I just went home and was like, okay, well, this is nice because I've got nothing. <laughs> don't have a phone. I've got a, a new mortgage. I don't, not long, just got my house. So, and I've got no car. So where am I at now? <laughs> um, and yeah, so I was in a bit of a, not a great place for a couple of weeks. I decided that I'd take some time to myself and just, because I, I hadn't, for the whole time that I'd worked there, I'd never taking time to myself um, because it's a 24-hour job. You know, celebrities do not stop calling you, even if it's 3 a.m. to ask you to book them a taxi. Like, they don't stop. So um, weekends, evenings, you know, these all just merged into one. I'd all, or even though I was off, I was always still working. So to have, like, two weeks solidly to just be off 
was a very weird scenario for me. Um, but I did it, obviously, and, you know, I had, I had a few moments, a few tears, um, but I just thought, you know, I'll just eat what I want, do what I want for a couple of weeks, and then I'll decide what's going on in January. And then it got to January, and then out of nowhere, my phone was just blowing up. And it was a mixture of people trying to employ me, whether that was brands that I'd worked with previously or whether it was other celebrity agencies or just other sales roles. Like everyone had got wind that I was no longer doing what I was doing and everyone was trying to employ me. But I'd kind of, in the back of my head, made the decision that I wasn't going to work for anyone else again. Like I knew that it it was time for me to go it alone. So I was like, oh, you know, no, I I don't know. I don't know what's happening. And then celebrities started phoning me then saying, you know, what's going on? Where have you gone? Nothing's being done. Um, Like, tell us what's happened. Like, no one's letting us know what's gone on. Because I hadn't told anyone. I didn't want to be the one who had to, to be honest. Because I thought, no, you tell everyone why I'm gone. After all these years, I knew that they wouldn't be able to run it to the, like, caliber it was being run by me. and so anyway, the celebrities were then on my case, like, please, please, like, let, can you manage us? We want you to manage us. We don't trust them anymore. They're not doing the job as well as you were, blah, blah, blah. So then that got me thinking, okay, well, could I potentially set up my own agency? But my confidence was knocked at that point. Um, so I was kind of looking for probably someone else to go into it with. Um. And that's what ended up happening. In the end, I ended up setting up with someone else and um, we started a business that ran successfully for around two years. Um, But then I branched off again and now I have a celebrity, well, it's an influencer agency, influencer marketing that I run alone. And I've got um, four staff who work there for me um on that so we I do that it's obviously my business I've got four staff working on it we've got loads of great influencers that we manage um but aside from all this during the upset initially when I um first found out that like the Prosecco business was gone and I was having nothing to do with it etc I went and put myself in a um a boot camp like a bit a bit to get fit, but a bit to get my head straight as well. And I did a week there and I ended up meeting someone that um is now a very, very good friend, but also a bit of an investor in my other company, which is Think, which is the company that most people know me for, because that's the one that I'm screaming and shouting about. So Think is um a reduced calorie, reduced sugar, vegan and organic Prosecco. And we also have Think Pink, which is basically just a pink Prosecco, but it's actually a Pinot Grigio sparkling rosé. Um, And when I was away at camp, I just got talking to this lady and we ended up talking about what had happened to me and my other job and what my vision was for the future, what I really wanted to do. And I just said, like, this is my passion. It's in my head. I really want to run with an an alcohol company. And, And I knew how much hard work it is, like for licensing and everything like that. Um. Well, I guess you've been there before, though, haven't you? So it's kind of not second nature, but you were prepared for that. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I was thinking, God, well, it will surely it'll be easier second time around. And not only that, all the mistakes that we made on production last time, 
they don't need to be made again. Like, if anything, I'll ensure there's no mistakes made whatsoever. And so after speaking to this lady, she was kind of like, I think it's a brilliant idea and I'd love to invest in it and I'd love to, you know, be a part of the journey, blah, blah, blah. So we got to speak and we didn't do anything at that time. It probably took another year or so until, because we were getting to know each other and I was very much, I've been burnt. So I wasn't trusting quite as easily this time. And um, we were just, we spent a year as friends getting to know each other until eventually we decided like, yeah, let's do it. Um, and so then, yeah, it was back and forth to Italy for two years, getting the product right, tasting, sending it back. Very difficult life, you know. I really um, couldn't couldn't go through all that again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so back and forth to Italy, getting the product right, getting the branding right, building the website, all of that. And then we finally, um, in July last year, brought the products all arrived in the UK and we brought our delicious product to market. And now it's just going from strength to strength. Obviously, we are in the midst of COVID-19 and... I, um, prior to this, it was all about just getting it in bars, restaurants, hotels, ensuring that it's a lifestyle brand. So getting in VIP areas, getting it in race courses, that was the idea. And that's what I was putting all my efforts into. But due to the situation we found ourselves in, I ended up um, flipping the business completely on its head and just making it pure e-commerce based. And we just... Was that as a result of covid yeah, I mean, we, we already had a website, so it was ticking along nicely in the background. You know, we were doing kind of the bare minimum with it. Um, but as soon as what happened in terms of like all the bars, restaurants and stuff closing down, that's when I said, right, okay, this business is an e-commerce business now. Bam, like let's put all our efforts into that. And it became a case of we basically like redesigned the website, made sure it was easy, two clicks to check out, um, started using influencers. I, I built it. We, we'd use the influencer anyway, but because I never had a focus on that, it wasn't, it was never a huge part of the business it was just like we'll do this now and again we'll make sure sales are ticking over but actually I'm too busy trying to get into Chester Racecourse to care about getting like a load of online sales so then as soon as I um, had the time we just put all our efforts into online sales and now we're absolutely flying online and that's from using influencers Facebook ads and just up in the SEO all like everything together and then just having all a full focus on it has just resulted in humongous amounts of sales. And so is, is it right then you're turning over a lot more than you would be, would have done? So, so much more, yeah. So much more. So COVID's been a bit of an opportunity for you then really, hasn't it? <laughs> I know, and I don't think many other people are saying that. Um, no. But for the alcohol industry, for sure, yeah. it's a, This has been a huge opportunity and it's been an eye-opener for me because I had two signs in my business anyway. And I, I should have spent equal amount of time on both sides of the business and I should have gone, well, both can be as equally profitable or whatever. But I was so just... I don't know, like just one track minded, one goal that I couldn't see what potential the online side had. And it, it forced me to see the potential. And now I just think, what an idiot. Like you've wasted all that time since July where you could have been really profitable. 
And I, I wasn't profitable at all because I was just thinking, no, because it's it when it's in these places, that's when it's going to be profitable. But if you think about that, even if I'm selling in like huge amounts, then it's you still only make like a pound profit, if that, because the margins are so low when it comes to wholesale. But online, you can make money. So it's like, well, why, why did my you know, put my efforts into that more, knowing that there's more of a margin to be made. But, you know, it happens, you live, you learn, and I've certainly learned. <laughs> and I'm and I'm guessing as well, I suppose, with you kind of pushing your brand online, you're building up almost like an end user um, familiarity with your brand. So that when they do go to race courses and they do go to other they're events, et cetera, and when they see your particular product, they're going to be yeah. more likely to buy it. Exactly. Yeah. And that again, I should have been thinking that prior to this, but I wasn't. I was just thinking if I'm in all these places, they're going to be buying in huge amounts and it's going to be seen as a lifestyle brand, blah, blah, blah. But really, if I was looking at it, like the, the whole thing, I should have been going, oh no, but just get these customers at home knowing who you are so that they're choosing to buy you when they're out. And also they become your sales team because they go out into the world and they say to their local restaurant, oh, have you got Think Prosecco? And they go, oh no, what's that? Oh, reduce calorie, vegan, reduce sugar. Like, why do you not have it? And it's like they become your sales team. So really, I put a lot of effort into one side and not into the other, but I won't ever do that again. <laughs> Lesson learned, eh? Lesson learned. <laughs> you've, you've got a phenomenal story, but what about the next five years? Where do you see yourself then? Thank you. Um, do you know what? I? It's hard, really, because I'm obsessed with this brand. Like, I love it. It's my baby. I love it a bit. And I'd probably personally I'd love to just like grow it and grow it different wines different countries and that's what I plan on doing anyway you know I plan on being worldwide but I do actually think that I will I will aim to sell it probably in the next 10 years yeah Um, you've got an exit in mind yeah I, I will aim to sell it and even though it will be absolutely heartbreaking, I believe that we're going to build a, a brand that's going to shake up the market. It's going to have other large brands shaking in their boots to the point where they go, you know what, we're sick of you. We're just going to buy it. <laughs> um, Brilliant. Good idea. That's the plan. <laughs> well, I do wish you the best of luck with that. Now, one thing that, um, well, two things that I, I'm going to ask every guest that we, that we have on our podcast um, mm-hmm. is from your vast career and your experiences, what would you say have been the four things you've learned? Four things, okay. Um, not to trust so easily. Um, I'm, I, it's not a bad thing to be a trusting person, and I know that, and I am one. But you just, in business, like, you just you never know what you're getting into, and your best friend can become your enemy. And so... Just watch, be careful, you know, be sensible. Don't just go diving into things in an excited manner where you don't cover your own back because it can come around to bite you. Um, perseverance is key, you know, like you can you can get many, many knockbacks, but if you persevere, something will pull off on the in the end. I always think like I hammer down doors so often that eventually a few always fall down and I think yeah that's what I was working for 
So perseverance is is a big one for me. And um, what else? A good team. <laughs> I think that having a good team around you is what can make or break you. And um, I. I've got an amazing team around me and I'm very, very lucky with the team that I have and I trust them with absolutely everything. And not only that, they work hard all the time and they bring in a lot of money, even at times when, you know, I can be out the country doing stuff for the wine and they're just happily in England making money for the business, making sure we've got enough to pay everyone. And I just think, yeah, like I trust you. I can, you can do your job. You're all great. So having a good, great team is really important um, and leading by example as well I don't know if that kind of falls under that but um, I think if you've got a team and you show them you know the right attitude to have how things should be done how to have good morals um, how to think logically and stuff like that I think it can really pay off because I've seen some leaders who can just drive people into the ground and destroy their team by the way they're leading. Completely agree. Yeah. So I think that's that's hugely important. Probably then. So if you were to have a tea party and there were three people that you could invite, living or dead, who would they be and why? Number one is Freddie Mercury because I love him. And <laughs> He's, he's fantastic and I want him to sing to me. <laughs> um, I don't know, growing up, like we'd always just listen to him, blast, blast Queen tunes everywhere. So I'd just, I'd love to meet him. Um, I would like to meet Ryan Reynolds because he is very attractive <laughs> <laughs> and a great actor. So... He's definitely welcome. And obviously I want him to try think, so he needs to come around for a dinner party and try it. And then he can tell all his other Hollywood mates about think. <laughs> you keep that excuse. We know what your real <laughs> excuse is. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's also not going home. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> <laughs> you are trapped for life. Um, who else would I have? Um. I wouldn't mind Richard Branson. Yeah, okay. I think he'd he'd be an interesting one, you know. So he's the he branding is, king, isn't he? he? Yeah, he is. He's king of Brandon, and you know what? He, you ne- there's so many stories that go on about him. You just never know what's true and what's not. And it'd be nice to just actually have a conversation with him and be like, hey, you know, is this true? Is this not true? Like, how have you done what you've done? I think he'd be a good one. Yeah, good choice. again thank you very much for for coming back on onto the podcast the second time round it has it's been good and and you know what I think your four lessons are really really good it's one don't trust too easy get everything in writing wherever you can persevere build a good team and lead them by example what better for for things to learn really yeah Phenomenal. Thank you again for for coming on. Thanks so much. Thanks again to Kath for coming on to the show. Her details, or should I say her brand details, can be found in our show notes and also too on our Facebook page, which is Podcast IQ. Also too, we are on Instagram, which is also at Podcast IQ. Um, Please don't forget to give us a like and a share. 
and and also too don't forget our fee if you found some benefit within the podcast please subscribe and please do um leave a review so that's all we've got time for so we will see you in a week if not before